0: Grand Touring Motorsports started as a social group of car enthusiasts, but we've expanded into all sorts of motorsports disciplines, and we want to share our stories with you. Years of racing, wrenching, and motorsports experience brings together a top-notch collection of knowledge and information through our podcast, Fix. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 50 of the Take Two. Wait, wait, wait. That's not right. I'm Brian. I'm on Take Two Podcasts, but this isn't Take Two Podcasts. This is the Break Fix Podcast. It is episode 50. I'm just hijacking the show today.
0: What's up, boys? What's going on, Brian? That's right, folks. We're super excited to have Brian Stever from Take Two Podcast on Break Fix for our first ever crossover episode.
2: That's right, folks. And if you haven't guessed it yet, we're going to talk about movies and cars. So hit pause, go grab
1: some microwave popcorn, and then join
2: us in welcoming Brian from Take Two. But
1: this is going to be fun. So I've got my favorite cars, my favorite cars from movie, favorite cars from TV, and then chase scenes.
2: So let's kick it off. we talked to a lot of folks. We've done some other episodes in the past. Our listeners will know where we've reviewed some you know, car specific films. And there has always been a long standing deep connection between cars and movies. And so I wonder, is it just the nature of the beast? Is it our society here in America being, you know, car fanatics, Hollywood being in California with a huge car culture? Is that the draw or is there something more there, Brian?
1: Oh, it's almost like any type of movie part of it has to be like what kind of car did they have what kind of car were they driving what was the action scene anything that's with action there's got to be some type of a car chase or some type of cool car some cool character on scene what was he driving any type of topic that way you're gonna get around to the car if you don't lead off with the car and then for some characters the car makes the man some of our superheroes without their car, they wouldn't even be a superhero. And we wouldn't even have those cool movies.
2: So since we're, since we went there and I, I, so I haven't, I haven't figured out, I, I think you're more DC than Marvel, but you got, you got to mm. play, you got to play neutral. It's okay. Sure. I'm, I'm good with it. You know? Sure. Which superhero has got the best car? Not Batman. You got to take Batman off the table. Outside of Batman, who's got the best
1: car? Probably Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles Part 2. That car (laughs) is actually insane. (laughs) Does that count as a superhero?
0: (laughs) You said he's probably DC versus Marvel, but isn't that Captain Marvel behind you?
1: It is Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's my daughter's poster, but yeah, Captain Marvel's behind me. I am pretty down the road. I I still read DC. The only Marvel I read still is Captain America. As far as reading-wise, DC, but uh, movie-wise, I like them very independent because they're both different style. Totally different. Marvel has their style. DC has their style, and I think I enjoy them for both. Eric has a
0: theory about their style. How would you tell? It said Marvel does much better on the big screen where DC, because their characters take so long to develop and go through their arcs and they're much more complex. DC is better in a TV series.
1: Not wrong.
2: Not it's the enough. same. It's the same argument I make about star Wars versus star Trek. Star Wars movies are amazing. Star Wars TV shows, not the Mandalorian, right? Cause there haven't been any real star Wars TV shows and it doesn't make for good TV. Star Trek, awesome television. If you're a Trekkie, terrible movies, let's face it. Okay, you're never gonna argue with me that they're good. (laughs) They're just, they're okay. You know, We're just buttoning up loose ends with those movies. Yeah, so the same is true of DC versus Marvel. I mean, I can rattle off a thousand DC shows that are awesome and I'll openly admit that Green Lantern is terrible as a movie. It's number one horrible DC movie of all time. I have issues on that too. So actually, since this is a crossover, let's talk about movies. I'm gonna talk about Green Lantern for a moment Mm -hmm. as if I was Tony on your show. so okay. Green Lantern, biggest problem with it. Let me start with number one. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds was the perfect casting for okay. the wrong Green Lantern. He should have been Kyle Rayner, not okay. Hal Jordan. Okay? okay. would have made way more sense for his personality to tell that story and not yet another boring origin story because Hal Jordan's origin story is not that exciting, right? Until way, way later, until his like third rebirth in the DC universe. Second. Okay. Sinestro would have been a way more interesting bad guy than that CGI uh, dude that played uh, Merlin in. Um,
1: Merlin?
2: No, not Merlin. Yes, he's one of you.
1: the Scar's car clan. I'm, but I'm not.
2: No, 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 no. He, he played Merlin in the Kingsman. That guy. He was also in uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and a bunch of other movies. He always plays a bad guy. I can never remember his name, Stone or something. I think his last name is. But anyway, that would have been way better as mm-hmm. as, a, as a fight scene, as everything to to show that struggle, and then. Thirdly, Parallax is a giant floating space diarrhea, right? I mean, I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, it was it was terrible. It was the worst DC movie of, of but all But the
1: very first thing in public he comes up with is a race car. To drive around that party, which is horrible, <laughs> that's true. like a Hot Wheels track around this party. Like, wait a second, why is our Hot Wheels car? No, driving that was, all that
2: was pretty terrible. That was pretty terrible, but I still i gotta hand it to DC for their shows. I mean, there's some awesome stuff out there when you talk about Gotham and even Arrow in the early days. I won't talk about Legends of Tomorrow because that's right up there with Green Lantern. I'm, I'm having a hard time with that one.
1: Legends, but- from what I understand, you need to just accept that it's going to be a wild ride and not try and make sense of it type show green arrow seasons one through three i was ready to put it up there like top five favorite show 100 percent, yeah and then after that it kind of was like eh, kind of you know faltered off and when he died in the crossover spoiler i was like all right bye you're dead goodbye i'm okay with it <laughs> Well, right that only now.
2: that only took him 10 years to get that
1: point so yeah. you know whatever so
2: going back to superheroes with cool cars okay i gotta i gotta tip my hat to marvel tony stark has cool cars
1: oh fantastic cars that had to have become a thing that that John Favre was putting together. He's like, he's Tony Stark. He's got to have incredible cars the entire way out, especially so he's since got an John Favreau.
0: Audi sponsorship.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially since he was going to be driving them most of the time. He's like, let me at least drive these on and off of set. So you're absolutely right. Cars and movies go hand in hand. Cars and television shows go hand in hand together, and that's what makes it a lot of fun to watch because not only do you wish you could be that character. You wish you could be driving that guy's car.
2: I mean, let's talk about Batman 89, Michael Keaton. I just showed my kids that movie for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and they saw the Batmobile, they flipped out. And I had that moment where I was like, that was me when I saw it for the first time, when it debuted, right? And I mean, to your point, there's cars that are just epic in movies. And that's one
1: of them for me, for sure. Sure, sure. I didn't know you had kids. I mean, when that movie came out, I think is when you and I met. This podcast is 30 plus years in the making. <laughs> this is very kind true. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Back then, I think our synopsis of the movie would have had smaller vocabulary words filled with, oh, dude, did you see, that, that was cool. Yeah. Oh my God, it was so cool.
1: Yeah, car. The fire came out of the back of the car. That was it. Fire that and the shield. The Batmobile, the biggest thing was shield. Just hitting the uh, and the remote. Like he had the original remote starter from back in the day,
0: where That's you just true. hit that shield and covered it all. Up. You guys are talking about the the cars that are featured in the movies. One of my favorite pastimes is looking at cars in the background. Oh my god that guy's driving a mark three jetta what the hell's going on
2: well that was pretty obvious in the fast and the furious there no no, no no
0: i think in what was it in the ring she was driving a jetta as they were going up country or whatever or maybe it was a volvo <laughs> i don't know it was yeah. it was weird <laughs> i have that
2: same sickness that he mentions there where i have pointed out cars in the background i will freeze frame and my wife is like are you serious and then I'll get up and take a picture, like send it to my sister like, check this out. There's this car in the background. And you know, everybody's just shaking their head. And I'll never forget the first time I did it to her, we're watching trains, planes and automobiles, right? Classic film. And it's within the opening five minutes, there's that scene as they're kind of going down the main boulevard there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that's a first gen Scirocco. My wife's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, pause. And I'm like, slow back up. And I'm like, look, it's the rear quarter panel of a Scirocco. She's like, (laughs) you have a problem. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do.
1: (laughs) I'm out of my league on this podcast already. I can feel it. I just look at the car. You guys have already picked out ones in the background with their license plates and bumper stickers. That's okay. I'll see if I can hang with you boys.
2: It's all good. Well, you, you're the movie buff here, right? So I mean, this is this is great. But like we said, there's a huge crossover and you mentioned chase scenes. So let's talk about that. Okay. What are some of your favorite car chase movies? You know, because that always seems to be the thing that gets us as a kid.
1: Yeah, sure. It's just them driving all around town, of course, having other cars crash into each other because they're weaving in and out traffic. You always have to have that intersection scene where they're flying towards the intersection. Other cars are crossing. It's completely blind. You don't know what's going to happen. And somehow magically they make it through. Um, I mean, some of the best out there, you know, more recently you have like Baby Driver came out. I know we're not allowed to talk about Baby Driver due to a certain actor that's in it that's not allowed in Hollywood anymore, Kevin Spacey. But the opening scene, when they match the songs, literally the beats of the song to the shifting of the gears and the sliding through the you know the highway and and on ramps off ramps, everything matches up with the sequence of the music too. It's like not only are we having these really cool car chase scenes, which the car driving abilities by itself they're fine. We've seen that before. It's great. He can turn it around backwards and hit the emergency brake and all that. That's great. But the fact that they matched up the beats and the rhythms of the song perfectly in step with the car chase scene was fantastic. So top of my head, like that's the first one I was like, oh, I actually enjoyed that scene.
2: And you know, what's funny you mentioned that is as our listeners are, you know, kind of following along with our catalog of episodes, we covered this in a previous episode where we talked about the crossover between music and automobiles and the driving experience and how that affects them. So if you haven't caught that episode yet, go back and check it out. But you're absolutely right. The, The soundtrack, that music score going with the driving, it amplifies it that much more.
1: Yeah. Agreed,
2: agreed all around. Another one that comes to mind is The Italian Jobs. So I, was, I have a soft spot for Michael Caine. I am, I'm ruining the day that somebody calls and says, you know, I'll, I'll, along with a lot of these actors that have just passed away recently that were, you know, big names, you know, with Jessica Warner and all these other types that have recently passed that I'm like, you know, I'm waiting for the shoe to fall on, on that one too. The Italian Job, another classic car chasing movie which does not hold true to the theory of sequels. The sequel was better than the original, I
1: think. It's funny, you mentioned all these cars have the sales of any car been boosted more than the recent Italian job movie. Like, obviously people didn't go running out buying Batmobiles, but um, those Mini Coopers... I don't remember seeing a mini Cooper. And then that movie comes out and I was like, holy cow, everybody's got a mini Cooper. Yeah, they're now. everywhere. And yeah. then the thing to do is to get the, the, the British paint job with the, you know, with a British flag on top of it. That was like a thing. I think maybe that was after Ossipers two drove one, but either way that might be like the highest, like boost in sales for any type of car.
0: I would agree. I think that was marketing genius by BMW. Really. I'm sure they, they said, Oh, you've got this movie coming out. We've got this car coming out. Let's launch them together.
2: Yeah, because I mean, who would have thought at that point to redo the Italian job? Now, granted, I think the sequel to the sequel was uh, the Brazilian job, but we'll we'll leave that yeah. alone. But <laughs> Wait, are we still talking
0: about movies? <laughs>
2: yeah, right. You know, going back again to music and cars and movies and how it all ties together. Again, another Michael Caine film, which I recently rewatched was Get Carter. And so he was the quote unquote, the, the good bad guy in that movie. He played the opposite role in the redo in the early 2000s where Sylvester Stallone played Jack Carter in that movie. And then Michael Caine played the bad guy. And that movie, great soundtrack. Stallone drives this Cadillac DeVille or STS or or DTS rather, you know, and there's a car chasing between him and a Jag, which is actually really good. The movie's full of action and just another fantastic film where there's, you gotta have that extra bit. In there, right, to bring it all together to bring it home.
0: Uh, if we're talking about car chase scenes. I mean, the, the only one that comes to mind for me is Ronan. Beautiful one because it's one of my favorite cars. The uh, what was it, S8 or A8? I think it was an S8. I think I had one at the time when I first saw that movie, and it was just like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then that uh, late 80s Mercedes Benz that was chasing him down is just amazing, amazing scene.
2: I mean, that was a good film in general. It, I yes. think it's, I think it took a lot of people by surprise.
0: Well, I, I like the fact that. I think historically, excellent car chase scenes don't always go hand in hand with great movies.
1: No, I was going to agree with you. First one that pops in my head on that one is Duel, one of Steven Spielberg's first ever films. And that was a big car chase movie itself is okay. But I was thinking the exact same thing. And with Ronan sorry, back to your point though. You don't think Robert De Niro car chase scenes. Like when I say, Hey, give me, give me your Bob De Niro characters that he's given all the time. It's going to be a long time before you're like, Oh yeah, he wasn't that really badass car chase scene, wasn't he? And so that's why I think that's an underrated pick.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, there's some other ones out there too. I mean, you've got movies like Vanishing Point, which are all based around car chase scenes. Now, probably a lot of folks that are listening to this may have only seen the Jason Priestley version of Vanishing Point and not the one from 1971, the original. So it's a kind of a different experience. Although I will say the redo was a a good homage to the original, but then you have lesser known movies like, let's say like the Seven Ups, which came about the same time. Mm -hmm. And most people, again, don't probably know anything about that movie. It is listed still as one of the longest car chases in any car movie, period, outside of something like Gone in 60 Seconds where the entire movie is a car chase scene, you know, things like that. Sure. So there's a lot of neat stuff out there like that. And then obviously you get movies like Bullet, you know, with Steve mm-hmm. McQueen. I mean, he was also a huge petrol head. A lot of his movies revolved around cars and, and car chases and things like that. So, but then kind that of-
0: movie sucked though. <laughs>
2: bullet was not it was not that good in, in it, was, reality.
0: it was not that good <laughs> i thought you were gonna say it was not that bad but no, no, no. it was not that good
2: I, I don't know i have i have a fondness for it but it's not at the top of my list if i have to pick a mcqueen movie i'm gonna go with le mans but then not a lot of people can tolerate that movie because it has literally five minutes of dialogue in a three hour movie it is painful to watch unless you're a huge fan of the early 70s like le mans racing or whatever. You know, which we'll probably compare and contrast to Rush and some other movies as, as we continue the conversation.
1: Yeah. Gone in 60 is actually one of my favorite. The the, the Nick Cage Gone in 60, to be honest with you. It just, if he didn't jump off that 18-wheeler as our ramp, it to me, that like tarnishes <laughs> everything. Maybe it's because of the CGI. I wish they would like redo it now with like current CGI. Once that Shelby, which is just an absolutely stunning car, in my opinion, that, that GT500 um, was a 67, right? I think. Right. Once the thing like lifts off and then it's just kind of like cgi over the other cars, like, oh God, and then it lands and then it's all beat up. And then you cry once he finally pulls the thing into the garage, like, oh, look how much damage you did to that beautiful car. But but that whole movie full of chasing. I, I agree, it's a fun movie. Yeah,
2: and I think, you know, talking about fun movies, I think that's where you get into a lot of the Burt Reynolds films, right? He did, mm-hmm. a lot of his career was centered around him being a car guy. When you look at Cannonball Run, you look at Smokey and the Bandit, a lot of those films, there was him him, it was Bert and the car, you know, yeah. up until when he passed, but not but a couple of years ago, they were still, there were companies out there producing, new, we'll call them Smokey and the Bandit Transams or Screaming Chickens or whatever, you know, based on the Camaro and, and Burt was signing them. You know, these are like legit builds and whatnot. So it's kind of cool. Like that was part of him, you know, also as a person, like you said, the car and the man and, and all that as, as we kind of open the conversation up here. So can you think of any other maybe famous Hollywood people that would be really coupled with with cars like that as part of their, let's say their resume?
1: Uh, so to answer your question, I mean, the first one that pops on my head is Vin Diesel, right? Vin Diesel with Fast and Furious franchise. They're, they go part and parcel, even though The Rock and Statham have almost stolen it away from him. I'm waiting you know, later on this year, we get Fast 9, Fast 9. I'm so excited
2: 19? for that.
1: Yeah, it's Fast 9, Fast right? 15, Fast 90. <laughs> fine, yeah, there good. go. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how, you know, where the franchise goes back without State of Iraq, like bring it back to your original roots, you know? And that for me ranks up that very, that inaugural movie, oh. <laughs> inaugural movie, that first film, that final scene, because I've always been more of an American muscle car guy and that entire movie, not so much until that final scene when he goes and then he gets the American muscle and then that thing roars out of that garage coming out there, and it's like, yes, here we go. And then, so that movie ended so powerfully And then they made 18 more films after that, but either way. (laughs) And Tokyo Drift, which we'll talk about.
2: So Brian, do you have like a favorite movie car or something that really sticks out at you? Maybe super iconic or something, you know, we talked about at the beginning, you know, Batman and stuff like that, but is there, you know, we didn't really expand upon that. Is there something else on your list?
1: uh a few that i thought that i mean, we already mentioned eleanor from gone in 60 seconds the first time i saw that film i fell madly in love with that car i mean just the coloring the silver the streaking i, I was like oh I, i'm a big fan i i grew up a corvette guy and then i saw that and i was like oh okay i kind of like mustangs now that's uh glorious the batmobile 89 obviously brilliant uh you know your 1981 deLorean that was used in back to the future i was
2: wondering if you were going to say that
1: yeah who didn't want to own that but to be honest i only want the deLorean if it has a flux capacitor just the regular deLorean by itself it might be cool no mr no around. mr
2: F- no mr fusion what's wrong with you, you have to
1: have mr fusion so that way he can give you the fuel to <laughs> get you there but i thought the, o- the other thing you know chicks dig it the shaggin' wagon get that the, that dumb and dumber van get it totally oh. like a big shaggy <laughs> dog right
2: you sell petey to the blind kid <laughs> so i
0: mean just think if you drove around town in a dog it would be pretty wild for me i'd have to say the uh the pussy wagon from kill bill
2: <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> it's a chevy it's a chevy silverado that or the uh the 928 from scarface he walks into the dealership all coked up and buys a brown 928
2: they reuse that in weird science later so it's the same brown 928 <laughs> really
0: it's the only 928 left in existence
2: uh who knows man there were not many of those to begin with but no i i give you points for that i give you points for that i mean and, you know and it's funny because there are memorable you know Hollywood cars like that. I I think they're you know those custom made cars, the Shaggin' Wagon, the Munster Mobile, right? The Adams yeah. family had their thing. But anyway, well, I'm maybe. gonna
0: I'm gonna talk about something you guys probably don't realize, but you know it's not just cars, but motorcycles in movies. And someone who's in a lot of movies with motorcycles, you probably don't realize, is Lawrence Fishburne. He was in Fled where they had the Ducatis. He was in Biker Boys with the Hayabusa. In The Matrix, they had the green Ducati. He didn't ride it in The Matrix, but he rode in in both Fled and Biker Boy's classic true. movies. <laughs> All true. All true. Yeah.
2: Brad, you know, one of them for me and, you know, talking about music is Tron. The Tron soundtrack and the light cycles. I know I bring Tron up a lot. I'm a Tron geek. I love that movie. I love the original one. I love the, the new one, whatever. The pairing of those two, that light cycle and that Daft Punk album. I mean, that I haven't seen anything like that yet.
0: Well, for me, it's oh. the Batmobile Tumbler that doubles as a motorcycle.
2: That was pretty cool, actually. Although I, was pretty I, awesome. I hated those Batmobiles. They were way too military. That's, That's
0: what I like, I like them. about them. They're not
1: cartoonish. <laughs> At Tumblr, they had six stunt riders try and ride it. And the only one that could do it was actually their instructor, who <laughs> was not necessarily in shape to be Batman. But they got a suit to fit him. And he's the only one that was able to handle that for those scenes. So if you look closely, you can see that he weighs a little more than Christian Bale, we'll just say. (laughs) Chunky Batman.
2: (laughs) Sure. Which, you know, we're talking about Batman again. Here we go. If you remember Batman 89, remember that scene where he's chasing the Joker in those uh, old Plymouths, the purple and green Plymouths that they were driving around? There's that one scene where he's got to make that really tight corner and uses the grappling hook to basically slingshot the car around. I actually read about that years and years later that that Batmobile was apparently built on some sort of like Cadillac chassis. So it's quite long. And because of the way it's structured, if you look at it, it's a huge wedge, like not just physically aerodynamically, but the footprint of the rear end is really, really wide and the front super narrow. So the turning radius is like really awkward because the car is not balanced because it needs to have that particular stance and that, that presence. They said to make that turn, because it was a 90 degree turn, they legitimately had to use that grappling hook system to get it to come around the corner because it couldn't make the turn. Otherwise they had to do it at like two miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was actually kind of cool that sometimes, you know, the the deficiency begets that coolness in the film, right? Wow.
0: Very cool.
1: If we're we're thinking motorcycles, I would throw Tom Cruise onto that. Uh, I would throw Schwarzenegger onto that. Like as you can always just picture Schwarzenegger on the bike, especially Terminator Two.
0: Yeah, and uh, then you got to throw Peter Fonda and. and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. From, You're just uh, going UCLA, way old school yeah. tonight. I'm loving every bit of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I I like the two wheels. I I love four wheels, but I I, I got a soft spot for two wheels. Okay, nice, very cool. R- really, Tom Cruise. I mean, look at all that. seen in Top Gun, where he's sitting there riding, and then all of a sudden he sees the jet take off. And he's like,
2: Yeah, yeah, but I mean
0: uh and i mean all, all those mission impossibles he's on a motor- and there's like on almost every there's like 900
2: movie. yeah Are, is he really on a motorcycle or is he green screen i mean come no, on he's there's a like... rider
1: he, he does oh. all his own stunts brad's on it he does all his own stuff studio hates him for it but he won't sign a contract unless he can do his own stunts and he does all his own riding it's good stuff
2: i mean statham does his own stunts too and i mean i don't know uh, mission impossible 97 or the transporter i mean you know come on <laughs> But talk about an underrated film. The, the original Transporter didn't become popular until way later. Like it had been out for a while before it really, you know, to use a pun, got traction. And I saw that movie and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Very underrated originally. But then, you know, they pumped it full of steroids and it's become what it's become today. But I'm kind of anxious to see if maybe another one will come out. Hopefully not a Hobbs and Shaw 2. But you know whatever, I'll watch it anyway.
0: There will end up being nine Transporters. <laughs>
2: Well, they, they already changed guys and they did a show and it, it's, it's become ludicrous. It's probably on, no offense, it's probably on the CW somewhere with the rest of Riverdale and Stargirl and everything else. How many
0: things are they transporting anyway?
2: I, I don't know, but it, it is, you know, trafficking in persons though at the end of the day. So we're just going to leave that where it is.
1: <laughs> you did have a disclaimer. Yeah. if you did Hobson's show you could just connect all of them and, and attach them to a helicopter they'll just fly like a tank and three trucks and put that all together like they did so that
2: it, it becomes that what was that cartoon show when we were kids mask mask right? where were they had the car the helicopter and the bike remember that like right. letter yeah. no, lesser known but that there were in the way back machine now aren't we we're just wind <laughs> that thing up
0: in the before times
2: you know movies you know, you got to get from point A to point B, right? So having the flashy car is important. We mentioned it kind of in the in the pregame for the episode. You know, one of the things that inspired this episode was actually listening to your show and thinking back over all of the John Hughes movies and how he was really like a closet sports car fan. And if you pay attention to 16 Candles and Weird Science and Ferris Bueller, you've mm-hmm. got Ferraris, you've got Porsches, you've got the Fiera, which I know Brad hates. We talked about that on many episodes there's some sort of sports car but it's not the prominent figure but it's always there and there's always a, an obligatory shot like even in weird science it's like why are we looking at the front of the house other than to look at the ferrari and the porsche parked up front or even the mall sure. scene in weird science where they're kind of showing off and he's trying to drive the clutch you know all that kind of thing True. so yeah. i found that kind of interesting because it wasn't really forward like it wasn't ferris bueller where the car was kind of the crux of the situation where it was like oh my god my dad's gonna kill me you know we got to reverse the miles and you know all those famous one-liners is that from that, movie. that was a ferrari 250 california
1: Ooh, okay gotcha. yeah yeah in, in that one the car is a character in its own you're right but for all almost every single one of his films you're right there is a car of some nature that they throw in there so he, he definitely with a lot of his car you know he was a big beatles guy and a big car guy at the same time but he was like low-key you would find him he was like slipping some beatles and then he would also slip in some cars into each one so that's pretty astute of you eric to pick up on that
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. It also helps that I watch those movies like ten times a year, you know. But at (laughs) any rate, (laughs) stuck in the past. But you know, movies is one thing, but TV. I think TV really glommed on for a long time to the car being, like you said, the car and the man, or the or the woman in a lot in some cases too, like some shows that we'll talk about here in a minute. But I think. TV made cars a keystone of the episode or rather of the show, because what else were you going to do with not have some sort of action scene? Like you said, a car chase or moving from point A to point B, you'd end up with like general hospital. It's like a a bottle episode. Every episode you'd be in the same place without some sort of movement. So what do you think, you know, top TV shows with cars or top car from a TV show for you?
1: It's crazy. There have been people I talk to that I'll tell them that the, best actor on Baywatch used to be on a car show. And I'll tell him when I'm like, what, there was a person on that show. I thought it was just all about the car that talked. I'm like, no, there was a person that actually wrote inside said car and the voice of it was Mr. Feeney from boy meets world. 100%. But yeah. But kit is, has got a rank very high It's just far as like people know from television, like a car that could talk and have the, the, I think, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they come out with the Trans Ams after that, that had the little light bar that would at least go back and forth as you were driving?
0: Not from the factory, right Brad? It was Brad? an aftermarket option. Exactly. You could add that? Oh, okay, cool. I would. Yeah, that, that, which go. was
2: borrowed from the Cylons on Battlestar Galactica. So if you look at it, it's the same thing and the same sound effect on kit as it was on, on BSG. So okay, uh, there's some okay. trivia for you there too. <laughs> David Hasselhoff, Kung <laughs> <Come> Fury, right? <laughs> i I gotta bring that up again if you haven't seen it people you need to watch this movie brian tell me you've seen kung fury i've
1: seen everything hasselhoff's done let's talk (laughs) (laughs) talk
2: about kung fury come on no it's
1: a horribly great movie it's like it's just one of those that it's so bad you love it every bit of it you need (gasps) to turn off your head grab your popcorn as you just said unless you're on keto like i am so i can't eat popcorn but other than that it's a, it's just one of those movies that's so bad. You have a good time watching it. And, and it's definitely one of those that nobody heard about until like years later.
2: Oh yeah. It's like super cringy, but it's really popular. And that music sure. video search YouTube true survivor, David Hasselhoff. That is legit. It also goes back to our whole, the most iconic car in any music video is a Lamborghini Countach hands down. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. beat that car with a stick. It's, it's impossible, but uh, that, that, that movie has it all. It has it all. So. so
1: if you want to tie Hasselhoff to cars, even more. So I remember watching an interview with him. He, you know, he was big in Germany, I believe as, as a musician, huge over there. And he had a big, huge pay-per-view special in America. And this was supposed to be his big to do where all Americans are supposed to learn about him. And like uh, this, uh, I'm going to go with pay-per-view type special. And he came in from like doing a show or something. And it was like, Hey, how are our numbers? Is anybody watching anybody watching? They're like, Nobody's watching, man. We're so sorry. They're all watching this white Ford Bronco getting chased down the LA freeway. It was the same night that OJ was being uh, chased. And so then nobody watched Hasselhoff because everybody was watching the Ford Bronco. And that kind of like killed his career in America for the most part as a musician,
2: So not as a legend. If, I don't know if you know, he came back a couple of years ago and he did a quote unquote kind of reality show with Kit. I don't know if you saw this. It was on History on Discovery Channel. And basically he's going around and he's like visiting other people, doing all this stuff. Him and Kit are on this adventure. And it's all about, you know, different types of motorsport, like planes, trains, you know, racing all this kind of thing, and at one point he's on track with a couple other celebrities out at Willow Springs, where Ford versus Ferrari. Those opening mm-hmm. scenes where they're running the Cobra for the first time and all that that you saw in the movie. So he's there and he's ra- he's racing quote unquote Kit on the track against these other cars, and it's kind of hilarious. It's kind of goofy. It's very tongue in cheek, but worth watching. I, the name of it slips me right now, but I know it's in the History Vault. Uh, if you have access to that, or have access to Discovery Plus, you can mm-hmm. go pull. It it up and it's on there so
1: pretty cool to check out another streaming app that i'll have to add discovery plus got it i'll throw
0: kid out as my first one brad yours i'm just going to do this just for kicks but i remember the episode in who's the boss where sam gets her license and starts to drive and tony buys her this giant yellow oldsmobile school bus <laughs> whatever the hell it is with the corner markers <laughs> with the spare the, the side, spare tires bolts like, and off. Everything so that, like you could see it i think it had a siren i think it had like the the dixie horn i mean it was freaking outlandish and absurd and it was hilarious that's great that's i remember fantastic.
2: that that's, that's one of my most memorable who's the boss episodes too. that's the only
0: thing i remember about that show that and i had a crush on melissa milano because who oh. didn't it's true. Yeah. She <laughs> had been. I mean, we were all the
1: same age. Our first ever crush was Samantha Masselli.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then crazy. she quickly got replaced by Kelly Kapowski. But that's a whole nother episode. We'll have to do a different. Ah, uh, Saved by the Bell. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I was guys,
2: more. I was more of a, an Elizabeth berkeley fan. You know, the curly <laughs> hair and all. But you really? know, we'll, we'll save that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse okay. Spano for the win.
1: Wow. I was
0: always a turtle girl.
1: We <laughs> should have oh. gone to school together. We would have been great. We never would have <laughs> stepped on each other's toes we did go to school together <laughs> wait and we, and we did go to school together that's
2: <laughs> you're right exactly so I, I'm, I'm, degrees the, of I'm, I'm one of the points in the triangle here folks
1: brad i'm disappointed you didn't go with chips though i thought you were going to totally come out with chips
0: no 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 not this time that's okay. for the next that's for the follow-up uh-huh. gotcha.
1: <laughs> he's gonna
2: do the Eric Estrada here though he's got to get it gelled and combed over that's that's the sequel <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many though. From especially even before when we were kids. I mean, I was just, I was even thinking about it before the show. Even today, I was presented with something I had never seen before. I I took a step back and I had to go watch this epic show from 1971 that I don't think anybody's heard of. It's called The Persuaders, and it stars Sir Roger Moore and Tony Curtis in this film. It's kind of a quirky backwards espionage film. Like, you know, Roger Moore was already in the middle of being James Bond and all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, Tony Curtis, does this really work? And I actually happened to see it on Instagram. And what caught my attention was the opening with a Ferrari Dino and an Aston Martin DB8, I think it was, or something like that. And I'm like, I gotta see what this is all about. And then I found myself one, two, three episodes later, still watching, you know, mixture of, of British humor and and James Bondness and espionage and whatnot, and I'm like, this is from the 70s. Like, how did I never hear about this type of deal? Okay. So it was the cars that captivated me that brought me into that show. And so, you know, there's other things like that, you know, and we'll probably unpack that more as we go along.
1: Beautiful. Looking forward to it.
2: You've got. The Dukes of Hazard. You've Got Heart to Heart, Falcon Crest, The Persuaders, The Saint, right? Going back to the black and white days. There's so many shows that revolved around cars and iconic cars and cars that are probably now would have been forgotten had it not been for TV kind of glorifying and exemplifying what they are.
0: You can't hear the the title Breaking Bad without thinking about the Pontiac Aztec. It was not a car movie or a car TV show at all, but it's an iconic character in itself as uh, brian said earlier in that tv show
2: heisenberg oh, that's terrible the aztec is a horrendous car i was actually thinking like green hornet both the show and the movie because if i think I, if i recall you know green hornet and cato from back in the 60s that was the same lincoln that they used on Entourage. Oh, was it was a Lincoln really? Continental. Yeah, with the, you know, the double, the suicide doors That's and the so whole nine it. yards. So another kind of epic car there. I I actually didn't mind the Green Hornet redo movie. I don't know about you. Was it Seth Rogen? Yes, it was. Okay. And, I did uh, not see that one. I thought that was pretty good. I thought it was yeah. fun.
1: Well, I mean, see, that was before now the way we pick apart like superhero films now. You know, if he, I bet if they could redo it to like give it that more budget that they have now, he'd probably do it even stronger. I didn't mind it either, like you are saying. And now it's, such right. a, now it's such a genre. I
2: think for me, and Brad knows where it's going to go. It's a the tie. Wraith. What, the Wraith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really a tie. And I brought this up on another episode, but my heart goes to Tom Selleck and Magnum P.I. I mean... God, that, that Ferrari is still gorgeous to this day. And I I know everybody that's listening, that's the everyman Ferrari. That's like the, you know, the Porsche 944 from 16 Candles for the movie buffs out there. That's like the everyman's Porsche, right? The everyman's Ferrari is the 308. It was kind of bottom of the barrel economy, super sports car, <laughs> but it's still something to behold and it brings back those memories. And I, I tell you what, the true story. I was in Honolulu for work and I had gone to dinner with some folks and I'm sitting out like over this overlook and kind of, you know, beach to one side, city to the other side. And I happened to get the poor seating choice of being the side towards the city, but it made my night as I'm sitting there, you know, eating you know, moonfish and all this crazy stuff that you can get in Hawaii. And I look out and I hear this distinct sound. And no lie, there's a dude drives by top off in a red Ferrari 308. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome, right? So that kind of made my day. They do exist in Hawaii. Maybe that was one of Selig's cars. I don't know. (laughs) My runner up, though, is the Viper from the NBC show, which is now buried deep in the bowels of their vault called Viper, which was kind of a redo of Knight Rider kind of coming full circle to your point, Brian. I am a big fan of the Defender, which is the mode that it would change into. I think that's super cool, but the Viper also has a sweet spot for me as well. And I think, unfortunately that show was buried for so long. It was a good marketing technique for Chrysler to really showcase that car at that time when they were trying to rebrand themselves and reinvent themselves.
1: Brett, does he bring up Italian stuff every episode? Yes. Did you know Eric <laughs> Italian? <laughs> just making sure. But well, he said the word Ferrari like eleven times so far today. So I just yeah. uh,
2: are you keeping count?
0: Uh, there's another. It's one. like the I'm people down who down. count the F word in Scarface. <laughs> so is it? Wait, is this Eric's new F word? This could be his F word. It, it's Ferrari. <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> but you know, Eric brings up the Dodge Viper from the, the show of the Viper. But when Pontiac re-released the GTO when they brought it back out, there was a, a short mini series surrounding that car as well. And actually somebody from Maryland was the star of that. Chris Carmack went to high school with one of our buddies, Andrew, in all oh, right, Maryland. Cool. cool. Hi Chris. Hi <laughs> hey, Andrew.
2: There goes the star. You the know, the you know. Exactly.
1: <laughs> the only other one off the top of my head that I was thinking was the uh I think it was the seventy nine country squire, the family truckster oh, from National oh, Lampoon's yeah. movies, which became a character in and of itself, at least in the first film.
2: And what kind of car was the blonde girl driving that he was fantasizing over?
1: Was it a Tercel? I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Blast fever.
0: <laughs> Brad, would you like to take the steal? What is this one? What movie? The- National Land, Land Vacations. Moons? Yeah. The Winnebago.
2: <laughs> no, you guys don't remember that, like, no. the very first movie. They're in the family truckster. They're going to Wally World, right? Yeah. And they, my and guess
0: is it's a Ferrari.
2: Yeah. It's it Magnum. I just want to make
0: him say it. Just want to make ah! him say it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are killing me. <laughs> Again, iconic car shows up in tons of movies and shows. But uh, yeah, I mean, lots of lots of iconic cars in television, and you know, I think some of those shows probably wouldn't have survived without it. I mean, what would Magnum be without the car and the car chase scenes, or Dukes of Hazard, for that matter? Sure. You know, could you
0: um, imagine Magnum PI taking the bus everywhere? <laughs> 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 or I'll, I'll be there soon i'm just i'm just waiting for the 5:30.
2: well it's like watching any of these new shows Well, we'll just cut to the scene where they magically took an uber from whatever bottle they're in to the next bottle that they're in you know in, in those episodes so
1: you're leaving out you're leaving out such an iconic and probably one of the earliest ones i'm not even talking about and that's the footmobile you can't see the intro to the flintstones without fred flintstone rocking that footmobile
2: you know, I wasn't thinking about cartoons, but you're right. Look okay, at Wacky Races. I mean, there's been a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, that The had Mystery cars.
1: Machine with Scooby-Doo.
2: Exactly. That Just was as old. much
1: as the show. Sure.
2: That's true. It was a VW bus, too. Did you know that? No. <laughs> it's either that or a Dodge A100, but people are still arguing about that. And we'll let them continue to argue about it.
0: But you can't okay. bring up the Mystery Machine without bringing up the 18 Van. There you go. Dude, yep. the 18 Van is legit.
2: I want one of those. <laughs>
1: my least sexy
2: pick though though, no
1: (laughs) my least sexy pick though is the uh 03 escalade and it's only because i'm a big cigar guy at the same time and anytime i'm able to smoke in the car which i don't have an escalade i just think of tony soprano rocking (laughs) in the very Uh, beginning where he's just like driving through new jersey turn by he's got that cigar and i'm like yes i want to be allowed to smoke in my car i'm not But I think you'd be a next level cigar smoker if you can rock the escalade like Tony Soprano.
2: Unfortunately, you know, we we talk a lot on the show about like the EV revolution and what's coming next and all that. And and you know, I was kind of thinking about it, you know, cars and TV and cars and movies and all that and you know, we talked about the sound that goes with that, and I w- and I mentioned on another episode with somebody they were they were going on about Miami Vice, which was another show that had you know cars involved, Ferraris and whatnot. But they were they were kit cars, and back then a lot of times they would use the sound from like a Porsche from a 911 because that had a very distinct sound and actually made for pretty good recording. But it kind of dawned on me with these EVs coming out. You know, if we were to create you know 2021, the new you know Magnum PI or the new Night Rider. But when you're driving in a Tesla or a Prius or a Nissan Leaf. Like, what, what do you got? You got you got a silent film. Like, there's there's. I guess you still use the Porsche soundtrack. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, what what is what does that look like? Or do we just like I mentioned before? Do we just skip it all together and just go to cutscenes and not worry about how people got from one point to another?
0: It makes for a very boring movie, and I think they would all sound like either the Jetsons or the way the cars sounded in Demolition Man. Sure. <laughs> that or just hoverboards from like back to the future too yes yes
1: Kind of that hovering. I, I think a futuristic car at this point like it's got to be wide so that people can sit six feet apart
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right like this is a big spread out thing does it have a face
0: mask over the grill too
1: <laughs> yeah exactly over the car and then maybe just like a dispenser that pops out a face mask for you as you sit down like you're hopping out of your car unlock and then the face mask just drops down thank you
2: <laughs> so it makes me wonder though, it, so you bring that up. Is that like the show uh, Upload on Amazon? Have you seen that?
1: That's a fantastic show. It's a very underrated show. Yeah. It
2: is. And I'm waiting mm-hmm. for it to come back and unfortunately it probably won't. But you remember the bubble cars that they drove in? Yeah, so that yeah. when, you, when you said that it conjured up that imagery, you know, is that sure. what the future looks like? Or is it like Black Mirror, which no. I don't know how you feel about
0: that show.
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> they're watching <laughs> us right now. I mean, they're listening to everything we say. There's they're gonna be a bubble car out
0: we're going to let them watch us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's gonna be a bubble car outside your house when you leave today. Like, it's already here. How did they know that it's there? Black mirror. Exactly. Exactly.
2: So, you know, I think, though, much to the, what we're, we're kind of beating around the bush, the point here is that TV has changed a lot. I think cars still have a relevance in movies, uh, especially some of these bigger budget films that we'll talk about here in a minute and get your feedback on that. But I think TV has changed a lot. Right. We're seeing just just a shift. I mean, I do find myself spending less and less time watching, you know, sitcoms anymore because. Sure. You know, I get tired of the bottle episodes. I'm looking for something a little grittier. I found myself watching shows like The Sinner. I don't know if you've watched that. That's on uh, Netflix right now. That's Bill Pullman. Uh, Jessica Beale is in the first uh, season. Awesome show. He drives a uh, Chevy Impala, by the way. So if Tanya is <laughs> listening, I, I, we know how you feel about that car. It, it's really not that exciting, but, <laughs> but that's not the point. But you know, there's, there's shows like that, uh, Money Heist, you know, things like that. Have, I really need to be engaged in the story. Like the older I've gotten, I can't just deal with the fluff anymore but I have seen a shift though where a lot of the stories that I guess we missed as kids that were in the news are now becoming mockumentaries and I did a review on this on our website and I know I shared it with you guys on Take Two Universe where you know must see mockumentaries like the Shelby American story or the Fangio story which was you know a little bit of a little bit borderline straight up documentary but then you have things like framing John DeLorean with Alec Baldwin right talking about not DeLorean the car, which is iconic as we know, and was mm-hmm. the car of the future for a long time there, but the man, John Z. DeLorean, right, and his whole story. And I don't know if you were able to, to catch up on that after we posted about it, but I wanted to get your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I, I watched it. I was glad you posted because I hadn't come across our radar whatsoever, and I actually made my co-host, Tony. He, he watched as well. It, 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 like you just said, it was more on the guy, which any story that is more character driven is better than just your plot. In my opinion. But no, it was a good doc. And and the other docs that you've been throwing up there, the mockumentaries, as you mentioned, that it is becoming a thing. Maybe it's just because of our age or where we grow up. Like we didn't come across those stories, I think, as you were saying. And now we're like, oh, wow, I kind of do remember, you know, when that happened. And now, you know, you find out so much more stuff. And now that you're an adult, you can pick up on things. But the more car docs we can get would be better.
2: Does that lead us into this shift that we've seen in movies now where we're getting these biopics and, you know, we're starting to see like, even on Netflix, you're seeing drive to survive, like the whole backstory of formula one and all these shows where it's a little bit more documentary esque with some fun things thrown in there, but some of the big, big films, right. Racing in the rain. Rush, mm-hmm. directed and produced by Ron Howard, all that, you know, F- Ford versus Ferrari, where it's taking these true stories and maybe exaggerating them a, a little bit, but not necessarily to the point of Fast and the Furious, but mm-hmm. keeping older audiences like ourselves more engaged. So I want to get your feedback on those films, because those are in the last five years. They're big budget films.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hollywood's definitely down that path right now where we are rewarding documentary style films or you know biopics you know you've seen the bohemian rhapsody you saw it with rocket man you know you've seen musically think there's a tina turner thing that's coming out aretha franklin is coming out we're totally expecting award season to own those and it's a tough draw because you're like all right this is more like a biopic type stuff but they're still giving us good performances so that is then bleeding over like ford v ferrari people were like oh all right i like the actors involved i guess i'll go see it it's a car movie whatever and then regular people that aren't big into cars as you and your listeners are watching like, man, that was freaking awesome movie. That was great. Then it gets nommed for best picture and people are like, I'm totally down with that. I really enjoyed my time with that movie. I don't know if it should win, but I'm totally down with that nomination. And I haven't heard anyone that's seen that movie and just been like, oh, it's disgusting. Are you guys being car guys? You might've picked it apart and, and saw things. I mean, he wide. shifted 14 times
2: in like a yes, quarter mile and you know, he's doing 200 mile an hour and then he pushes the pedal like another six feet. And you're like, come on. <laughs> but he always,
0: but- had, he always had an extra gear.
2: I just don't get it. Like, you know, we're at 200, and we're going to downshift and suddenly do 250. I'm like, come on. But you know, you're you you have to suspend disbelief like in sure. any film. You're there to be entertained. Unlike The Fast and the Furious where you go in knowing you're like, oh man, it's gonna be, it's gonna be pretty epic, and you just have to check all of it at the door. Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, there's some cool backstory there, some things that got left on the cutting room floor. But some of those scenes, like where it's supposed to be Henry Ford II is in the car, and he's like, oh my god, if my granddaddy could see me now, and he's like crying. I mean, you know that really didn't happen in real life, but you're like that just it was such a great scene and, and just so epic okay. to the story and, and all of that, you know, I'm,
0: I'm choosing to believe that that actually happened.
2: I, I am too. I am too. <laughs> now I will say the scenes with Iacocca, which I thought was cool. Cause that was the first time I had seen Lee Iacocca represented in any movie until this point. And I, I want them to expand on that because if you don't know his backstory or has read his memoirs or his autobiography or whatever, truly gifted genius businessman, you know, saved Chrysler from the brink twice over and you know, he had a vision for the future, especially for the auto world and all the things he went through at Ford under, you know, Henry Ford II, all that amazing story there. I hope somebody makes a movie. If you're listening out there, definitely <laughs> got to have a movie. Lee Iacocca, I can't say it enough. Uh, much like Michael Keaton needs to do Batman Beyond. Just going to put it out there one more time for the universe, all right? but <laughs> but uh,
1: No all argument. Kidding. Keep talking. No
0: all, argument, all kidding.
2: Thanks. All kidding aside, that scene for... Those of you that don't speak my native tongue, that scene between Ayacoka and Enzo Ferrari in Italian, I mean, I was already giggling before the subtitles hit the screen because it, you know, the translation came a little slower than expected. And uh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I was like, we just need to take that thread and just pull it a little bit more. Like, let's do an Enzo movie. Let's do a, you know, let's do an Ayacoka movie. Let's do some other things there. And I know that there's we talked about it on the drive thru. There's a Ayrton Senna television series coming out on Netflix, sometimes either this year or next year. And we're kind of scratching our heads on that one because much like Titanic, we know the ending. So, <laughs> uh, and a lot of us lived through that, right? That was the nineties. And, and so it'll be interesting to see where that goes too. But uh, to your point, Brian, I like the fact that more of these biopics are coming out or biopics, depending on you know how you want to pronounce it. For hmm. me, I think the one that kicked it off and I've mentioned it before. And I don't know if you've seen this movie is uh, Love the Beast with Eric Bana. I have not. Okay, so if you haven't seen this movie, or Brad, do you, do you want to talk about
0: it? Uh, I mean, it's all about his love affair and obsession with this Ford Falcon that he has. I think, did he buy it when he was a teenager? And, and he just, he's owned it ever since. And it's gone through many changes. I think it's gone through a few accidents, uh, a few race incidents. Uh, and he's just in love with this car. And it's all about that obsession.
2: Exactly. And, and okay. so... The, the opening scene of the movie, it really exemplifies a lot of the things we talk about on the show and the things that we're passionate about. And so he's got this monologue and he apparently now he has a fleet of cars, right? And so he's in this older 911 and he's driving around some track in Australia. It's not Bathurst or anything like that. It's some you know kind of lesser known track. He's driving around, he has this kind of moment where he's just telling the story and he's setting the stage and it's all about like being in the zone and hyper-focused and what driving really means to people that, you know, are are into cars and all this kind of thing. And, And he really tries to relate where he's going to take the story to the audience, to the viewer, right? And it engages you right away. And now he's got some guest stars on there. He's got like Leno and he's got Mm -hmm. Dr. Phil and he's got some other people. He's trying to work through a problem. Like he's at, he's at a crossroads and to Brad's point, he's owned this car since before he was famous. It was like his first car and he's got all Mm -hmm. these memories working on it with his dad and working on it with his high school buddies and whatever. And then, you know, he's had it in the family and he's always kept it around. It's kind of his back baggage you know if you think about it and it, so there's an emotional connection there and it's all about that emotional connection he calls it his beast right okay. and so now that he's rich and famous and you're starting all these different movies that he's been in be, be it star trek nemesis be it was he in troy he was in a bunch of other movies right some of these epic films that had come out uh he was not the main star that was brad pitt and troy i know but he was in that movie i think he was xerxes or something like was, he was the bad guy
1: yeah they had the good the uh sword fight scene
2: yeah exactly exactly pitt. yeah yeah it's exactly. badass
1: no cars sorry no cars in that film
2: no no just swords but it's still it's all metal it's all good a
1: chariots a couple chariots does that count maybe
2: (laughs) yeah 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 that'll work it's got horsepower (laughs) (laughs) zinger so (laughs) with that being said you know make a long story short you know now that he's got money he's like i'm going to do all these kinds of things and and brad said you know he got into this race and i don't want to spoil it you know something happens and now he's like what do i do do i let it go or do i you know breathe new life into it yet again you know another time over and you and not to say that he can't afford it, but it's just, it's just, it was an emotional journey and it's a very Mm -hmm. emotional film. And and I highly recommend it, Brian, if you haven't checked it out. So Mm -hmm. definitely worth watching.
1: I like it. Very nice. I'll take the recommendation. And I echo your Iacocca have that, as especially if John Berenthal plays him. Yeah, he did an excellent job. So, yeah. and he I looked like, a, pretty much like anything he's, he does. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he looked a lot, well, I'm going to say he didn't look a lot like, but he resembled Iacocca. It was a good casting call, I think, on, gotcha. their, on their choice. We talked about Ford versus Ferrari. What did you think of Rush?
1: I enjoyed it. I have not seen that in a minute. And I remember you're mentioning it, I believe, in the show notes or whatever. I was like, ah, crap. I wish I had time to go back and rewatch. Because I remember enjoying my time with it a little darker, a little kind of like a grittier, uh, not for V Ferrari is fun, you know, and big blockbustery. Rush, not so much, more of like an indie feel to it but I remember enjoying it very much. I'm assuming you yourself enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I thought it was excellent. I mean, I wouldn't have expected a film like that from Ron Howard, right? But it was, I thought, from a cinematic perspective on par with the Apollo 13s and all the Mm. other movies. It just had that certain quality and certain polish to it that you would expect from Ron Howard. But going into it, I felt like Rush was a big hush. Like, we didn't really Mm -hmm. know it was coming until it came out. And you're like, wait, you did a movie about Formula One? Like, hold yeah. on a second, right? And then when I, I went in with kind of like mixed emotions and mixed expectations, like it's a Ron Howard film. It's going to be awesome, mm-hmm. but it's a Ron Howard film. Is it going to be like nine hours and super boring too? But I think it had a great balance between the two where it was like, he really told the story. He really made a point. To your point, it was darker, it was grittier. It was the behind the scenes of all the things that were happening in Formula One in the 60s and early 70s. And I, I think it was it was absolutely fantastic.
1: Good call. Good call all around.
2: I know, and Brad can talk to this as a pet owner at some point, but what did you think of Racing in
1: the Rain? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the pet. Now I'm probably not remembering the film properly then.
0: Not what I expected. Uh, I did not read the book, so I did not know what to expect. And yeah, very sad. But it's not necessarily a car movie. It's about
2: the dog and the guy and all that stuff, right? It's
0: about a series of unfortunate events, basically. Okay. I mean, everything is, like, negative. So the the, only, like the only tie-in to, the, to being in Cars is the fact that the main character happens to be a race car driver. His passion is Cars, and he his dog gets like seen through the eyes of his dog, who apparently also has a passion for Cars and everything like that. Hmm. Uh, but really, the, the movie itself is not about Cars at all. It's about the human struggle and, like, how life gives you lemons over and over and over again and just how you overcome them eventually
1: wait is this milo the Tamiglia kevin costner yes okay i still haven't seen it but now i at least know i'm, I'm remembering the trailers
0: at the very least yeah okay. costner, costner is the voice of the dog ah,
1: okay i was thinking all right so i have my moves i was thinking about racing against the sun totally different movie where they do the solar power sun so uh against the rain i have not seen. but are there cars involved like do we get some races at some point yeah. There's some, there's some clips in here and there.
2: It was one of those ones okay. I avoided because I heard it was like, what was that other movie with Owen Wilson and the dog? What was that one called?
1: Mar- Marley and me. Yeah. So it's yeah, got so one I wasn't of those. I'm crying today. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. hundred
2: percent. Right. <laughs> so it's one of those kind of movies where it just like, just rips it out of you kind of deal. Yeah. I mean, look okay. at all these movies we're adding to his queue. He's going to have like 900 episodes yeah. after we're done here.
1: Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Kind of switching gears a little bit, I noticed in some of your recent posts online that you guys were doing 40 days of sports. Yeah. So I was following that and I'm following, you know, all the things you guys are posting and I got this glimmer of hope because a lot of people don't recognize that motor sports is a sport. It takes physical, you know. There's a lot oh, of physical conditioning and training and all this. Now. And I'm, I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm like, come on, man, give me something here. I, give me gave car, I gave you a pass. I gave you a pass. You gave me days of thunder.
0: Did you days of thunder? But yeah.
2: it was on like half the screen with something else. Day. Yeah. I was, was like, come on. You I was like
0: top year with NASCARs. I mean, top yeah. gun with NASCARs.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was looking for something in there. So I was like, we, we need some retribution, but I know that that whole campaign is over now. So that, that we did our
0: 40. Forever.
1: Yeah. That led up to opening day. I, I remember days of thunder. I think those, the other. so what other car, which car sports movies should we have have had a fun fact, Tom Cruise wrote days of thunder, but really? which other I ones, did not know that. Mm-hmm. which, uh, which other car sports like in, in that realm, should Ford V Ferrari have been in there without have I- counted.
2: I think that Rush probably would have counted. Rush, would have counted, um, Russia, for, for sure.
1: sure. Le
2: Mans, yeah. if you were doing something classic with Steve McQueen back in the day. Talladega Nights. Talladega Knights would have been good.
1: Yeah. Okay. You're right. I in. See, I have a thing on our show where I'm not anti will farrell but we'll just use that phrase i've
2: listened to the episodes yeah it's like so, yeah here's so the same old trope it, over and if over if again. i
1: were to bring up something will farrell i would get destroyed well, on you know, oh, you know what you know what
2: no let's do it let's do it let's talk about the super bowl commercials with will farrell and i'm pitching for gm what do you think of that
1: he did a good job <laughs> <laughs> We <laughs> got paid for it <laughs> was it u.s
2: versus norway or something i thought that we were going to do like some sort of olympics thing and then it turned out yeah. to be like a pitch for the new uh cadillac lyric which is an ev that's coming out and i just thought that was oh. nuts okay yeah so there I think you go. how like about it.
1: how about car commercials commercial you know that that could be an entire episode in and of itself i mean ah, the connehas and true. they're rolling a booger in the cadillac and <laughs> all those commercials
0: i t- that in my lincoln
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and how many commercial, how many Mercedes commercials have been voiced over by John Hamm? Now, like it feels like every single one of them in the last five years, right? He 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 left Mad Men and he went to Mercedes. It's like I just don't get it. You know, he's, and-
0: he's pitching ads for Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of Mad Men, uh, my one of my favorite scenes in television is when the British guy—I can't remember his name and his, his character name—he tries to commit suicide. And he has a a loner jag because they're pitching advertisements for Jaguar, and he can't get it to start, so he can't get himself.
2: His last name was Price. I don't remember his first name. Yes, yes, yes. He's not
0: Vincent Price, but we'll go with Vincent Price.
2: Sterling Draper, something (laughs) Price, right? Was the whole conglomerate there? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's. Um,
2: But yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, he had that that E type jag that was that was fantastic. That could not start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a what a shocker there british car that won't run if you want to know more about that folks just listen to our british owners club episode you'll learn all about all about jags that run you know to your point i mean even um, the guy that played uh, sterling did a bunch of voiceovers for lincoln and stuff so it's kind of funny when you've been so entrenched in a show and then these hollywood actors are doing like you said mcconaughey john yeah. Hamm, and so on doing john these slattery losers. Yeah, John mm-hmm. Slattery, exactly, doing these voiceovers for these commercials. There's maybe two, three veins of car commercials, right? There's like the ones that are just the dealer ones are like, a, whatever. And then there's the ones that are for the Fast and Furious and all the Hollywood blockbuster movies showing some sort of car chasing to kind of suck you in. And
0: mm-hmm. then I
2: think there's just those oddball ones like the John Cena Mountain Dew Super Bowl commercial where I hate to tell you folks, the star of that commercial is not John Cena. <laughs> it is the watermelon colored Geo Metro convertible. All right. That is the winner. <laughs> An underappreciated, complete, and utter shitbox. But that car now will live in infamy. Thanks to that commercial. we talk about the, the Geo Metro quite often, but <laughs> we're still nice. trying to find one. So if anybody's got one in Fuchsia, we are still looking. So let us know. But uh...
0: <laughs> I have to say my favorite car commercial goes back to the early 2000s with the Pontiac Trans Am. Uh, and it's, it's black, it's foggy. You can't really see anything. Uh, and then there's this like unsuspecting Econo box. And all of a sudden there's a Trans Am that pulls up behind him at either a stop sign or a or light. Or light. And then the Trans Am revs its engine like it's hungry. And then the Econobox disappears because the Trans Am swallows it.
2: They don't make commercials like that anymore. And I think to your point, Brad, right up there with that was for me, one of the ones, there's two actually. One was in the, aired in the U.S. by the same, you know, the same company for these two commercials. So one was aired in the U.S. and it was the Audi 5000 driving up a ski jump in the snow. And that was Fantastic. And that was legit. That wasn't CGI. This was done in the 80s, you know, and then there was another one that they aired in Germany. It was either the 5000 or the car that came right after the 100 200 and they're driving up a mountain road in the snow with no tires on the wheels to prove how good the all wheel drive was in those cars. And to you know, there's like almost no talking in the commercial and you're just like, what am I watching? But it's, they're just so on the nose, impactful. They don't, I hate to say, they don't make them like that anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. There's only one other commercial that I can think of that was not aired here in the U.S. But I don't know how I came across it, YouTube, I guess. It was the Ford Sport Car, And Uh, the, the whole commercial is there's a cat Climbing on the car because the the car has its sunroof open and I guess the owner was tired of the cat getting in and out of the car or whatever but the car apparently is mental and the cat sticks its head in and start the car closes its sunroof on the cat.
2: there's that there's a there's a couple of those because, there's there's a whole
0: series of it. oh yeah
2: there's the one where the bird is trying to poop on the car and it swoops down and it then it is. suddenly opens the hood and kills the bird like they all <laughs> ended like animal cruelty i guess they, they were definitely amusing probably not very little looked upon nowadays they're not very pc <laughs> no absolutely not but they were funny for the time and, and the car is you know something the size of a card table it's a tiny little thing but it does look kind of menacing to your point brad so i thought that was really creative on Ford UK's part Mm. uh to to come up with that stuff way back in the 90s. But you know, I think you're you're right there with the trunk monkey. Do you remember those commercials?
0: I think so. I remember the Volkswagen unpimp Ziotto.
2: Oh, those were (laughs) terrible too. There's good, like I said, Brian, there's good car commercials and there's some terrible ones. There's another one where I watched it and it's about the um, the late 80s VW GTI. It always happened to be Volkswagen commercials. And it's like, it starts off and it's like, it's called The Man, I think it is. And it's like, this is the man that does this and that. And this is the man that does the other thing. And it's basically like, this dude was going to go basically end his life. And instead he walks out and he sees his GTI and suddenly he's like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm going for a drive. And you're like, whoa this is dark stuff right <laughs> like this really aired on tv like it's pretty nuts but no the trunk monkey uh, those were some of the er- like early like web ads like webisode ads and it was i forget it was like something out west and it was like this guy's like roadside assistance and so he hits like this on star button and the monkey comes out of the trunk, and he's got a tire iron <laughs> i mean it's like, yeah, so it's, like <laughs> it's the
0: trunk oh my monkey. god
2: you yes. Listeners, you know what I'm talking okay. about
0: Go search it it's on I, I'm, e- I'm envisioning it now it is. It's
2: on E-Bomb's world somewhere Right up there with Homestar Runner And all the rest of this boomer <laughs> shit That we've been talking about
0: <laughs> Well, if you're talking about web series Remember BMW did a couple short films On YouTube, like seven, eight minutes One of the most iconic ones Is the BMW M5 Ushering around Madonna in the backseat Flipping and flopping all over the place With Clive Owen driving
2: Well, those were the ones directed and uh, produced by John Woo, if I remember correctly. So again, another big Hollywood name coming in. Wow. Interesting. See, this is again where we we cross over. There's a lot going on. So uh, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, it was kind of a non sequitur there for some moments. But, you know, like I said, there's a huge crossover between cars, the car culture, Hollywood, as our listeners know, we've done a couple episodes now where we've talked about a bunch of different movies. We've had some other guests on the show that are from Hollywood. So -hmm. if you haven't caught that episode yet, you know, go back and check that out. But uh, you know, it's really kind of cool to, you know, line things up, see where they go. And, you know, we're really looking forward to what comes out next. Like I said, you know, with fast nine and some of these other movies, see what the future, uh, what Hollywood will bring us. But uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show and uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do another crossover episode in the future.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking somewhere around when Fast 9 eventually, hopefully, one day gets released. We're supposed to be getting it this year. Let's fingers crossed that it happens. Uh, Maybe we go see that thing in the theaters, and and then maybe we can chat about it again. I love your show. You guys do a very conversational approach to your show, and and it's a breath of fresh air, whereas some people are very more analytical. You guys are just guys talking and dropping some serious knowledge, and that's the best part. So thank you very much for having me on. Folks, if you're interested in more Hollywood-type stuff, we drop a show every single week. We drop on Tuesdays. Uh, so listen to our show first And then listen to these guys after on Tuesday <laughs> Take Two Podcasts. You can find us on all socials At Take Two Podcast For Twitter, Instagram, Facebook We have two Facebook pages there Eric is heavy on our Take Two Universe page And then uh, you can, of course, find us on all of your platforms iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and whatnot And that's Take Two T-O-O Because all of your latest Hollywood News TV movie reviews And our Take Two That's very cool And you
2: know what <laughs> else we should do, Brian? I think it would be a lot of fun Hint, yeah. hint, wake nudge, nudge. We should do a MST3K style review. I was thinking the same together. thing.
0: Masterpiece theater, yes.
2: Not okay. masterpiece theater, mystery <laughs> science theater, my man. <laughs> same thing. Stop watching PBS. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So if you and Tony are up for it, we'd love yeah. to do that together. You know, big shout out to you, Brian and to Tony. I know Tony couldn't make it tonight. Maybe we'll get him on the next episode. Yeah. I, I listened to you guys. I know some of our other listeners and some of our members listen to you guys as well. Kudos to you guys, especially, you know, crossing that 200 episode barrier. Fantastic. Okay. And for our listeners out there, you know, Brian was a big inspiration. He really helped. Brad and I get off the blocks here at break fix. So, you know, I was bugging him (laughs) constantly. And then finally he's like, you know, to use our words, he's like, just send it, man, just get it done. And so we did. And, you know, here we are 50 plus episodes later. And so a big round of applause to you for helping us out and uh, getting us to where we are today. So again, can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been absolutely excellent.
1: Thank you guys. And congrats, congrats on 50 and, and the next 50. I look forward to them.
2: That's right, listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out our Patreon for a follow on Pit Stop sode. So check that out on www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports and get access to all sorts of behind the scenes content from this episode and more.
0: If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org.
2: Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.